Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric Devine and Philippe Bargil. With the international breaks behind us for now and the long stretch into 2017 without one now, it's time to get to the nitty-gritty action of Liga and to the delight of everyone, especially our very own Philippe Bargil. <laughs> it was a feast of football in France or a famine instead of that feast. All of this and Champions League talk after this week's headlines. Match day 13 started off with an encounter of a higher quality than one might have expected, as Monaco's trip to Lorient was a sorry first half full of attacking intent from both sides, but a lack of goals. The hosts were eventually punished for their poor finishing, Monaco earning a 3-0 win as Thomas Lemar and Gabriel Bachilia notched free kicks after Radamel Falcao had put the visitors ahead. Lyon's trip to Lille-Sol-Légon notched their third straight win in the league, 1-0, as Maxwell Cornet's goal in, after three minutes was saw the Lyon go to victory. Paris Saint-Germain recorded another win to keep pace with Monaco, 2-0 over Nantes, but will be sweating over the fitness of Angel Di Maria after the Argentine left the match with an apparent hamstring injury, although he is in the squad for the Champions League game against Arsenal in midweek. Montpellier continued their recent run of good form, coming from behind to earn a draw at Bastia 1-1, while Rennes will regret earning the same result at home to nine men Angers. Toulouse continued their recent tailspin, losing 2-1 to Metz at home, while in the battle of promoted sides, host Nancy held off Dijon 1-0. Sunday's early match saw Gangomp welcome the return of former manager Jocelyn Govanek, but the Bordeaux boss will have been disappointed to concede a very late equaliser from Jimmy Briand in a one-all draw. Marseille hosted Caen in the early evening match and the hosts earned a tetchy 1-0 win courtesy of Rolando's goal 10 minutes from time, the defender heading home as Caen struggled to clear a corner. And the weekend's final match was a bit of a damp squib, but Nice's somewhat sterile possession was enough to earn the leaders a 1-0 win away to Saint-Étienne. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all the latest headlines, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start in Paris this week ahead of a big week of Champions League football that be and a big week for the champions as they began with a 2-0 victory over Nantes. But Philip, they're still not quite hitting that top gear this season in Ligue 1, are they? No, it's uh, the usual, just like against uh, Rennes. The game against Not was um, pretty much a standard uh, standard routine win with uh, a goal that came rather nicely. Matuidi upping the pace on um, on some occasion. Ball falling nicely to uh, Jean-Camille Augustin, goes beyond the defender, falls nicely to Di Maria, who dispatches it past... Um, Pas Rio. Then we've got Di Maria who uh, goes uh, goes off again. Apart from from his goal, not much really to um, to uh, to report. A lot of uh, set pieces where Piaget do seem to be a bit um, uh, suspect at the back, with uh, not not defending particularly. Um, was not not playing actually particularly well, but just being very um, very dangerous uh, from uh, from set pieces. Kevin Trapp, who was deputising for Areola, um, pulling off some uh, some decent saves. 
So no, not uh, just not uh, convincing. You have Javier Pastore who uh, came on, um, but uh, then he had to he had to come off. So he's not going to play against Arsenal, which is uh, I think we can all, all agree, which is uh, good news for for Arsenal. Um, Angel Di Maria will be uh, will be slightly uh, will be in the squad. Not really sure if he'll uh, if he'll play. And I'm, I'm actually not even sure if that is good news or bad news for PSG or for Arsenal. We um, we we must, uh, however, mention that uh, Levin Kozawa is not going going to be uh, going to be fit for that game. And that's a huge blow. That really is a huge blow because of the impact he uh, he brings uh, down uh, down to the left hand side. So yeah, it's going to be quite quite interesting. But I watch the highlights. Maybe you'll uh, you'll be able to fill in Nathan um, um, as it was against Manchester United uh, of Arsenal, not looking particularly good. But they do seem to uh, to rely uh, heavily on Olivier Giroud, who comes up with the goods and uh, in the air, where we don't exactly have the tallest uh, tallest of uh, defenders. We don't defend set pieces particularly well, and. Um, if you look back at the corresponding feature of the Parc des Princes early September, we had great chances. Cavani had uh, loads of chances to make it 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, but just didn't take them. And I'm not quite sure what has changed um, since. So, you know, what, uh, what, what's the lowdown on Arsenal? Is it, is it just me or is it... Well, yeah. I think the easy explanation is that is the Giroud goal was their first shot on target, and I believe their only mm. shot on target. So that's yeah, that was Yes, <laughs> yes, it was a very good weekend for me. Uh, mm. But uh, Eric, let's focus on that game on Saturday. Um, Emery left out all of his summer signings, and they all started on the bench. Obviously, Ben Arthur came on for for Di Maria, but there are reports that Emery's been uh, disappointed with their summer transfer activity, and that's why he left a lot of them on the bench. Is that some unrest? Is that a sign of how they have performed or is that more uh, a sign of what uh, Emery trying to have a bit of a power struggle, do you think? Uh, I think I think it's interesting to, to look at this. PSG had a decent summer. I think that the players they brought in, that's Mounier, Krakowiak, uh, Ben Arfa and Hesse, uh, as well as Ariola. well, Ariola returning from loan, that is, uh, were never meant really to be starters. Uh, the, the makings of this team, with the possible exception of Krakowiak, uh, the makings of this team are, uh, were already there. I, you know, regardless of whether Emery wanted to change his, his system, uh, PSG weren't bringing in a quality of player that were going to uh, give this team a massive upgrade. And I think he's just playing these, not playing these players uh, against not, in this particular example, uh, not because he wants to prove a point or anything, but simply because they're not of quality. Even uh, and you know, perhaps that's that's come back to bite him a little bit. I think that you have to question with Di Maria returning from international duty whether or not um, he should have started the match on the bench. Uh, Serge Aurier was also active in the international uh, period as well. So uh, I, I don't know. I think he perhaps could have been a little bit wiser, but at the same time, I mean, what, what's he going to do? He, if if he you not not are always a tough opponent defensively, so he wants to be sure of getting three points, especially after Monaco had already done so uh, the evening prior, and there just was a little bit of a gap in quality in that regard, and uh, he he didn't want to leave things too much to chance. 
Yeah, and I think that was obvious by his, his team at the weekend. And you've mentioned it there, Eric, and I want to throw that question to Philip. He did start Angel Di Maria, despite him playing um, in South America, obviously, during the qualifiers, which is always difficult for those players returning to Europe. And he only managed to last about 38 minutes before coming off with a with a small niggle. It was a precaution, and he is in the squad. But it, it was a real risk playing him in the league, especially with that game against Arsenal around the corner. Is that more of a sign of how they have been playing in league and, and how much they needed a result? Or is that a sign of he needs a little, maybe a little bit more extra come January to make this really round out this squad, shall we say? Well, it does seem easy that Unai for starting the same uh, front, front three which which actually actually he didn't because Jean Kevin Augustin did uh, did start in place of in place of Cavani. So you could you could say well if you rested Cavani who had to go all the way to Uruguay, um, why didn't he rest Pastore uh, as well? So it's very easy to say he should have started Bernardo Jose instead of instead of Di Maria, um, but. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's always, it's always uh, in hindsight, it's always uh, extremely, extremely easy. Fact, fact is, he he did uh, he did trust Di Maria to uh, to start again against um, against Not. Will prove to be the um, the the wrong decision. I'm sure and I will learn from this. Uh, I'm I'm not even sure if it's a mistake. I mean, is it a mistake? I'm not I'm not I'm not that sure. So he that was uh, that was his de- his decision. I did like though that he he trusted uh, Jean Kevin Augustin um, with um, with the Reigns up top. It gives him so much experience and uh, something that he will need if uh, Cavani suffers uh, a knock. Which uh, yeah, well let's hope not in the future. Yeah, and let's stick with Augustin and Eric. He's someone you've wanted to see play for quite a while and give Cavani that rest. How did you think he did in this one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it it for me it was a pretty indifferent performance from the the youngster. I think that you know he had a couple chances, but I couldn't really put them away. I, I think that not really set out to uh, set out to to defend like they always do, especially playing away, uh, playing the likes of Gigi in midfield. I think that that was a a pretty apparent uh, pretty apparent strategy from an Asia Garden company, and I think that. That does show that while well, I, I do want Augustin to continue to have chances to d- develop and grow as a player, uh, that you know, despite my high praise for him, I think that there may be still a little bit lacking uh, in his ability to perform at this level. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's basically the long and short of it. Yeah, and that, again, that might be an area they they look to at January. But let's talk about that game against Arsenal in, and that's coming up in midweek, uh, Philip. And mm-hmm. it's it's essentially a, a, a winner takes all in the group, you would say, assuming that the final games don't end horribly for either team. But how big is a win and finishing top for Paris Saint-Germain in this one? Well, the thing is, I think uh, a two-all draw would be uh, as much as uh, winning winning the group. So the um, the first leg, if you can call it that, finished 1-1. A nil-nil draw would uh, certainly not suit PSG, but on, on the one hand, I'm, I was quite disappointed to see how Basel played against PSG, and I do, I do still believe that it's not any, as easy a place to, to go to as is uh, Ludo Goretz, um, the, uh, the other side. So I'm not, I'm not really sure if Arsenal will have a walk in the park on the, on the last day. I'm, I'm quite confident they will, they will win. But um, first of all, I think it'll be a draw. 
uh, I just uh, I just see this as a game between uh, two sides that are supposed to be good but are not as good as they should be for for Arsenal and for PSG and uh, I reckon one one will be uh, will be quite uh, quite difficult to um, yeah it it won't be uh, won't be that easy because I believe Arsenal have a a very good um, goal difference or well, goal difference maybe maybe. Um, Pegged back by PSG if they uh, trans Ludogorets or something, which I just don't really even see happening. I I just don't feel like PSG will will win uh, some some game five 0 I mean it has happened in Ligue 1 this season, but yeah I think with a two all draw PSG will basically have um, will basically have um, their future in their in their own hands. What needs to be uh, what needs to be said is that PSG do need to finish first if they want to uh, to go as far as the quarterfinals in the Champions League. I believe that uh, as soon as this side is going to meet someone big, someone who can um, who can actually play, who can actually defend, who can actually control the midfield, I think PSG won't really have much uh, much of a chance. So it is it is quite important that PSG finish uh, finish first. I I would respectfully disagree, Philip. I mean, I think that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for example, you have the group with Atletico and Bayern. You have the group mm-hmm. with Dortmund and Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could conceivably have Atletico and, and Barcelona, uh, Man City as well. That's another tricky one, yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of which one you get. Yeah. So I don't. I don't necessarily. I think that the knockout. Well, let's put all, all our chances are on on our side. From 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 that perspective. I mean, you, you are more liable to get uh, to get easier draws if you finish first and you finish second, and that is the whole point. Even though, if you do have tough groups, I do I, I do agree we could get a tough a tough opponent, but we never really got that in 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 those seasons. Not saying what happened, but you know, it uh, mentally it is it is it is better to finish to finish top of the Champions League group, which we did, and then just uh, didn't last season. So I really do do believe it's something we need to. To uh, put uh, put the record straight in a way. Well, I'm just going to go through the groups very quickly and yeah, and, and and say currently as it stands. Say if if so, Paris Saint Germain are currently technically second. So I'll go through who they could face in the next round if the groups stay exactly as they are, which will be Napoli, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. Monaco wouldn't count because they're a Ligue 1 side, so they won't be able to face them. Dortmund, Leicester City, Sevilla. Other than that, if they finished first, they would have Juventus, Porto, Real Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen, Bayern <laughs> Munich, Manchester City, Benfica. Mm-hmm. It's not really easy either way, is it? <laughs> yeah. It is a strange it, it is strange that if you finish second, you but might get Leicester, but you might get Manchester City. <laughs> but again, things things could things could change um, in other groups as well. I mean, we do have uh, three. What is it? Uh, yeah, two or three groups where top and, and second are quite um, uh, quite tricky. But I would count that as being unlucky if you get them in the draw. But still, I mean, you know, we we, we should go in. We France used to be a side that were absolutely clueless in uh, European football results. I mean, it was two weeks ago. You had Peugeot winning in Basel. Thomas Meunier was a great, uh, a great volley. Monaco destroying CSK, and I think Lyon got a draw at Juventus. And a couple of years ago, this would have been absolutely unheard of. So, also, also in terms of coefficient, I mean, it is important for Peugeot to finish uh, to finish top. This, this this should be should be the aim. It shouldn't be about 
Well, if we finish second, we avoid those guys. Mm. It, it is a con interesting conversation. I mean, mm. Eric. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would, would would you? It's, it's it's a difficult one because if you finish first or second, it's 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 essentially pick your poison. But would you yeah. go with the sentiment of of getting a win against Arsenal? Be a, it would be a really big boost against a good classic European side that maybe helps them in the knockout stages with confidence wise. Yeah, I, I think there's certainly something to be said for that, but. Uh, you know, Arsenal themselves aren't, aren't in great form either. I, mean, I think that, uh, and they're they're in better shape than they have been with injuries. I mean, Obel, I know Bellerin's still a miss and Cathorla as well, but uh, they're not really a team that's it's necessarily in great form. I mean, they're they slipped down to what, I think third or fourth in the Premier League now. Nathan, you might know better than I, I would. Fourth now. I would have um, check on that, but I, I believe they're fourth. who Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. it's very close around that. Yeah, time. they're fourth. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, I think it would be I think it would be good to have a a, win, a bankable win in, in their pocket. But at the same time, you know, what's going to allow this team to make to make that jump? You'd say the same thing about uh, their defeats of Chelsea over the past two years uh, in the Champions League. You know, oh, a statement win, a statement win. Well, they've had those. I mean, Chelsea is is a team with similar European ambitions to those of Paris Saint Germain. If you're it's not enough, though, to beat your peers. You have to, if PSG really have ambitions, you have to beat teams that are, quote-unquote, above them. And, you know, right now, that's, for me, the three Spanish teams, you know, maybe Bayern, Bayern and Juventus at a push. Even the, uh, actually, even the four Spanish teams, because I think Sevilla would be no no piece of cake to, you know, oh, contenders. No, no, no. No, I'm not just saying that because they... Uh, looks thoroughly dominant against Leon. I think that they're they're a team that's really in, in good form. Uh, yeah. You know, particularly with Mzanzi and Scudero. Yeah. But anyway, enough digression. I mean, it, it, for all this talk about oh, PSG are new to the Champions League, uh, you know, a mental block, yeah. a, a way to make a statement, that really doesn't wash anymore. I think that no. this is the reason Emery was brought in. It's to improve this team's play in this tournament, uh, no matter the opposition, and it hasn't and it hasn't shown up. Because, I mean, are we honestly um, contemplating the fact that PSG will make a better, better will make their best Champions League campaign yet this season? Because I just don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I just don't see them. I mean, even reaching the quarterfinals would be a, actually good, uh, regard, um, considering everything. Um, yeah. Maybe that depends on who they meet, but uh, I just don't see them being uh, mentally there, or even technically, or in terms of uh, in terms of uh, game plan. When I just came on, and I just don't just don't see them doing a major a major coup. Saying this, I don't see I don't see um, uh, a, a whole lot of sides uh, being uh, absolutely amazing this season in in the Champions League. Got to, got to look at, uh, at Bayern. Atletico was were quite disappointed against Real Madrid. Not saying that they're bad or anything, but um, that uh, a lot of sides seem to be to be to be struggling with new management this season. Mm. Uh, and just very quickly, Eric, a quick word on not they've they've won three games all season. It was a very defensive display. They they just don't seem to be moving in any quite direction at the moment, do they? Um. You know, I thought they they had looked good in the Coupe de la Ligue about a month ago, but uh, this lineup again was very defensive. I don't think we can really draw any big conclusions from this game. Mm -hmm. well, let's be fair. Playing GG as part of an 
midfield three uh, alongside Gia. Gia you're, you know, you've got Thomas. They, they can get four. Jules Loki's coming back into the side. There are some attacking uh, threads you could grasp at there, but I, I really think that in general this team uh, wasn't uh, wasn't set up to, to, to get forward. I, I think there might be more to come from Nantes. I think that uh, the return to fitness of Rangier when that does happen uh, and that of Harit as well can can really get this team uh, playing better. I do think their their primary issue is they're they're a little bit starved for width. I think that Iloki, prior to his being injured, he, and he's back from a long layoff, uh, had shown a little bit of, of spark in that regard. Um, and I think that if he can come back into the side and, and allow the team to stretch to play a little bit more, um, they're going to there's going to be more opportunities there for Alexis Dipinski and, and Bamu. Um, so maybe more to come from that, but I don't think we can really take anything from. A match at the Parc des Princes. Yeah, it can it can be difficult for anyone. That's almost. the worst part. Is that Peugeot almost made not look not too bad defensively. Well, they're not too bad defensively. I think well, they, they, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're 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 horrible defensively every every uh, every weekend, but against uh, against a decent strike force like uh, like Nice. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I just didn't think they could, uh, they could cope, and uh, it just didn't seem like Peugeot were interested in swashing them. No, which is understandable given you know the circumstances, playing a massive Champions League game and all. Yeah, and and, and, and in fairness, not a struggling like the other end more than more than at the defensive end. But we'll move on to Monaco, who are another side that are looking for a big week in the Champions League. But they started their week with a comfortable three 0 victory over Lorient. That they had to do a little bit of work for at least, Eric and. They maybe need a little bit of luck on their side to, to get this win, despite the heavy scoreline in the end. Yeah, I think that the first half in particular was, was really entertaining. I think that you had uh, um, Marvo playing as a sort of withdrawn number, withdrawn striker with Waris and Mukanjo cutting in from the wings. Uh, there's a lot of good interplay there. Um, I think that, you know, new manager bounce. Lorient showed a lot of good intent. Uh, the, their finishing wasn't quite there. And then I think class just went out in the end, but some encouraging signs for, for, for L'Oreal, but um, kudos to Monaco for, for not conceding a goal and for taking control of the match and, and playing as a, as a champion should. And, and let's talk about some of their interesting players in this one, Philip. And, and I mean, it's Falcao will be that star name again because he's scoring yet again. That's his fifth in his last three games. And Tom Lemar with a really good performance again. And Bushilia comes and gets his goal. They've got some real depth in that squad now, haven't they? And, and some players are starting to really hit form. Well, people are probably going to believe that I only talk about Piaget, but they seem to have more depth than uh, than Piaget. Um in in terms of uh, attack, in attack, only uh, Cavani and um, young Kevin Augustin. For Piaget, you've got uh, you've got Valère Germain, who had a terrific season at Nice. You've got Emba Pilotin, who's uh, up and coming. Radamel Falcao um, seems to be coming back. Seems to be scoring uh, scoring quite a lot of goals. Not thinking he's having a, a, a wonderful, fantastic season or anything like that, but uh, he is coming up with uh, coming up with the goods. Um, still not not actually um, sold out on uh, on uh, Guido Carrillo, but um, yeah, we we do we are starting to see that um, Monaco's strategy is bearing fruit. We had Thomas Lemar playing uh, his first French cap um, last. Um, 
last uh, Monday, was it, against uh, against Ivory Coast. So yeah, a great, uh, really good, uh, good solid performance by uh, by Monaco. Another nail in the in the Lyon coffin. But I can't, you can't really blame them for losing to uh, to a side like Monaco. And it's you know it's so refreshing, of course. Um, it's a bit like in Germany, actually, where you have uh, Bayern losing at uh, at Dortmund. You you have Monaco and Nice who are deservingly deservedly ahead of of PSG, playing um, playing some good football. Because what was wrong last year was that PSG were winning games, but nobody else, and probably not 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 particularly better than this season. But there's a Westwood just not winning games at all. Which uh, which was the problem this season? I mean, we actually have two sides who are interesting winning games every weekend, which is great. Yeah, and, and Falcao coming on his first touch being a goal just shows you that the, the confidence seems to be coming back slowly to the Colombia. But uh, Eric, yeah, Bushila as well, isn't it? Yeah, Bushila came came on from the bench and scored. Yeah, again, that's it's another. I think that's that might be the third time I think he's come off the bench and scored as well, which is great for him. But I, I want to talk about the defence a little bit, Eric. I mean, in, it, they've not kept, they've kept about. I think it's about two clean sheets all season before the last couple of weeks, and and including their Champions League game against CSK in Moscow, they've kept three clean sheets. Is that a sign of their defence finally picking up the slack a little bit, or is that maybe maybe the calibre of sides they've faced in the last couple of weeks? I think it's a mix of both. I think that uh, Gleek in particular had a fantastic match. He he was part of my team of the week in the, the match review that Adam and I write. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're getting more balance and more responsibility um, and that Jemerson is continue, continuing to grow in confidence. I think that entering the season, uh, you know, against those those matches about, against Fenerbahce and Villarreal, uh, Monaco looked very ropey. I was really worried about them this season, I think I think that uh, the attacking talent was obviously there with likes of Lamar, uh, Silva, etc. But uh, the defense looked a little bit ropey, and I think against a Lorient who are at home, playing under a new manager, playing freely, um, and again, let's let's face it, you know, Wakanju and Waris have been a little bit off the pace this season, but they're still uh, players who have gotten it done in in, in the league in the past, and even Marvo to some extent, dating back to his time at Rennes. Uh, you know, they're they're not exactly. I mean, they're not. Uh, that is, Lorient aren't, aren't aren't a team that are you know a total washout. They're they have some intent, and some impetus. So, yeah, I, I think that this is uh, you know they they rode the the metaphorical tackle, if you will, from Lorient and, and played well defensively and 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 got a clean sheet that'll give them you know great confidence heading into this week's match. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, your team of the week. Uh, team of the weekend, you mean from this weekend? Yeah. Who did you put next to uh, Gleek? Rolando. Ah. <laughs> I will put Livshuk. <laughs> Who also had a great game at Gengon last uh, yesterday, except for the equalizing goal. Also, it was, it was quite good. Eric almost led me on to the next point perfectly, and that's Monaco faced Tottenham in the Champions League on Tuesday night and at the stand that we do. And a point will be just about enough to see them through. That will mean Tottenham won't be able to go above them, so they will finish at least second. So is this a case of trying to play for the draw or do they plan try and play for another win? I mean, Monaco would just be happy getting through rather than finishing top, but it, Tottenham are in decent form. They got a good result of the weekend. What do you think to this one, Philip? I think Jardim is perfectly capable. He's shown it uh, over two, at least two seasons that uh, he can play a defensive game, not being troubled at all. Um, 
and play a boring nil-nil draw. We, we, of course, we do not hope that this is going what, what is going to happen, but it is very much uh, very, very much possible uh, that Monaco can uh, can bore Tottenham out to to a draw, be four points clear. And uh, to be honest, I don't um, I don't think it, it it seems to be necessary. Monaco have a have a good defense, they have a good system. They can play they can play four four two. It's a bit a bit risky to be playing that against uh, a decent manager like uh, Pochettino. Decent players like uh, Mike Deli Ali, Harry Kane. Um, and uh, it won't be easy to score a goal past uh, past Hugo Hugo Lloris, uh, who is a who is who is a quality goalkeeper. So I don't think uh, that's how he he may he may play. I think he will be more cautious than what he does against the likes of CSK. Uh, of course, it uh, of course it would be. But uh, yeah, I'd be quite disappointed. I'll be watching this uh, quite closely. I'll be disappointed to see uh, Catenaccio approach from uh, from Jardim. Hopefully, it'll be uh, be a good game. But I'm very hopeful. I mean, I I, um, I do I do think just like uh, Arsenal PSG is that this one this one will be a draw, possibly nil nil, but probably not as uh, close in terms of uh, chances and um, uh, intensity. Eric, what do you think in this one? I mean, we've just mentioned that a point would be enough really for them to go through. So. Do you maybe sit back against a team like Spurs, or does he employ the same plan that they had at Wembley of, of sort of trying to play on the counter a little bit? Yeah, I mean, why not? I, I know that, again, in that regard, DRR is a bit of a miss, given his physicality and ability to track back uh, versus Bernardo Silva. But even once the once he had come off, uh, Silva came on and did a decent job. I think that there's no reason you can't have it both ways. The form that the likes of Bakayoko and Fabinho are in to control that middle of the park uh, and versus the former Spurs midfielders, I, I think that there's there's every reason to expect that Monaco could could dominate the game, no matter how things are set up. Uh, and let's face it, playing on the counter, as you mentioned, that's going to play into into Monaco's hands. Spurs need a win here. Uh, a, a draw won't be won't be enough of a result, um, especially with Bayer probably likely to win against against Seska. So. Uh, if those two if those two results happen, that is a, a buyer win and a, and a and a buyer win, which they'll know the result before the match. The match is being played earlier tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, then that I think will have a, a lot of influence on how uh, Pochettino and Jardim approach the match. Uh, knowing that a draw will put them through, potentially, I think Monaco can can have the have the uh, pick of the game and pick, pick Spurs off on the counter because Spurs will be forced to come at them um, in all likelihood. Yeah, and it's, a, it's amazing to think that Monaco may be qualified for the group stages before PSG. Didn't think, you know, should told me that a couple of months ago. I don't probably wouldn't have believed you. No, I don't, I'm not sure if anyone would, but that's, it's it's great news for them, and and it's a great position to be in that they essentially, on the, yeah. On the subject of Tottenham, I mean, uh, they didn't seem they don't seem to be from the highlights I, I'm I'm seeing. They don't seem to be particularly um, e- easy to score goals. Don't don't seem to be. As comfortable as maybe other seasons. Um, I mean, is that is that what you what you experienced watching them this season, or they've been, they've been a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, they, they I think they're still unbeaten. If I'm 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 pretty certain. I'm not, I'm gonna have to double check that. Spurs, but they've, yeah, yeah, they've mm-hmm. they've drawn quite a few games at the same time, and that is a sign of if, if even if you're playing poor, you're getting results. They've got Harry Kane back now, which is good. They need, to, for me at least, uh, they need to start humming Son, who's been terrific this season. Um, he made such yeah, a that, that yeah. West Ham game as well, um, and came on and won them the penalty. Um, set up Harry Kane's goal as well. So 
they need to start him. If they don't, they're going to risk and risk playing someone like Janssen up front, who's not quite adapted yet. I think he's much better on his own up front um, from what I've seen of him at the past at RZ Alkmaar. Um, it's a tricky one, I think. And Christian Eriksen's not in the greatest of form. They, they win, and they desperately need a win in this one. So they're going to go for it. And I, If Monaco play like, like Eric says, if they play on the counter... They're absolutely playing into their hands with the speed of someone like Tom Lamar and, and Bernardo Silva in behind. The, their centre-backs are good, but they're not necessarily quick. Their full-backs are at least quick, but if they're high up the field, it's going to be a real tough one for them, I think. See, and, see all these all these names, uh, Shadley, Lamella, Eriksson, they just don't seem to be you know, striking fear um, this season. And the only one who's actually uh, creating something, getting into spaces from, from what I've seen was Hong Min Sun. And yeah, he is. He is to me. He is the major guy to to watch out for on uh, more tomorrow evening. Should he start? And and it, should he start? Just to, just to note on that, I think it would struggle for NASA Chadley to do that because he's now at West Brom. So I don't. Oh, think sorry, he, shit. <laughs> I don't think he would strike fear on anyone other than Burnley probably tonight. Mm. But uh, we'll move on to, Good to point. Yeah, and a team slowly on the charges. They've won three games in a row, which is Lyon who rose to fourth with a 1-0 win against Lille at the weekend. And Eric, should it have been more really in this one or were Lille a little bit lackluster again? Um, uh, they still weren't at what they should be, given uh, the talent they have. But I think there were a lot of encouraging signs from this match, actually. I think that Lille, uh, particularly with the inclusion of your favourite, Nico de Previo, uh, looked brighter than they have in attack. I, I've been watching quite a bit of Lille in, in the last few weeks, uh, not necessarily by choice, but <laughs> just by how Adam and I had to beat up the matches to watch. Uh, and I, I think that you know his play and that of Ed Air gave uh, Leon's defensive a pretty good test, but I think that uh, Diakabi in particular was, played a really strong match. So I think defensively, uh, the team looked good. And, and that... That, to me, needs to be the backbone of, of how this team evolve. Um, I think that we look back at the losses to the likes of a, a team like Gangomp, that 3-1 defeat, uh, what, just about a month ago now, and, and how how poorly uh, Leon played defensively. Rafael and Nkulu just getting turned inside out by the likes of Jimmy Briand in that match. And, and to have a clean sheet, to have that confidence, um, was really important for the club. And I, so I think they're... Encouragement is to be taken uh, from the way that the defense played, especially with Jale, my favorite, haha, back back now in training. Uh, <laughs> so there's more to come in that regard. Uh, but in attack, yeah, I mean, Lacazette was, showed a lot of energy, was a willing runner, uh, but really wasn't afforded a whole lot of chances. Cornet took his chance. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's good to see that. Good to see him being clinical. But uh, on the whole, I, I, I like a little bit more from the attack, but uh, going alone in the back four were were really strong for me, and I, I think that that's, that's a positive to, to take into this a match against Dinamo Zagreb, a little bit lesser opposition, let that attack stretch its muscles a little bit, get a little bit more confidence, and then bring that into this weekend's match against PSG. Philip, I want to focus on one player who obviously grabbed the goal and played reasonably well in this one, that's Maxwell Corne, who continues to develop into a really exciting footballer, really, for Leon. And what what do you think to his performances so far this season? Is he someone that should maybe Lacazette go in the summer? He can fill the boots of alongside it, someone like Nabil Fakir? 
Phil's boots of uh, Lacazette will fix you. I would assume Lacazette would go, but yeah, yeah. Corne still be slowly developing into a, a similar, another one of those impressively on players like those two that I've just mentioned. Oh, right. Um, in terms of, of potential, you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, sure. Not uh, not particularly. Um, yeah, in terms of um, in terms of uh, uh, position, but there's there's something to uh, some some kind of um, level to 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 be reached uh, from Corne, who I believe has has um, given uh, great performances. I'm seeing about um, uh, Lyon's win against PSG last season, but uh, but maybe a bit too uh, few and few and far between. Actually, Fakir has not. Uh, we haven't seen the. Uh, Z Fakir of his um, of before his uh, his injury was absolutely uh, extraordinary. Um, so yeah, quite um, quite quite difficult to to answer that to that question uh, to that question, Nathan. But it it doesn't seem to be there uh, just um, just yet. But um, to me, his his uh, his position will be um, will uh, probably always be on. On doing some kind of a of a of a, of a Rashid Geza on, on the left wing, um, Eric, please don't kill me. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what I'm expecting of that player. And, and, and Eric, you've you've mentioned him briefly in, in Dear Carbine. He had a, another excellent game. He's only 19 for a couple more weeks, so it's it's crazy to think that the level he's playing at. But you, do you think he could be a real star for the future of this team? Yeah, I think what he adds to this team is defensive solidity. I think that he's not going to be the sort of flash player who seeks to get forward a la Umtiti or even Yang Mbiwa at times, but he's just a solid defender. And I think that in matches where where Leon are up against it, against top-class opposition, that he and Mamana, who's, similar, who's, who's like-minded, uh, make a great pairing for the future. You've got two young center backs who are willing to play as center backs. They don't, you know... Want to be a want to be a hot dog and get for, get forward with the ball at their feet. Uh, they want to they want to you know block shots. They want to they want to get into tackles and and that's that's something that I think is really lacking a lot of times. I mean, we see him TT as being this this player who moves and enhances his reputation, but meh, you know, is he really a center back that uh, that uh, is is of is of top defensive quality? I think Diakabi is that in spades, and I think he can be a, a real foundation for this team. So, the next Umtiti? No, I, I, what I'm saying is I think they're very different players. Oh, okay. Mm. And uh, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing him. He's maybe slightly what some people might say a more old-fashioned centre-back, maybe, that, that he's an actual defender first before a footballer, which is... The opposite way around that we see more nowadays, but I don't want to have a minor rant about that. But <laughs> we'll we'll go on to the Champions League game, Philip, and it's a real throw of the dice, really, for Leon. That uh, they desperately need a win if they want to clutch on to their last bit of hope of possibly getting a Champions League place. Uh, or do they just throw caution into the wind in this one and just hope that something slips the right way for them in the severe Juventus game? Actually, something has to uh, to sit the right way for them. Otherwise, I think they're, they're going to be out. This is a must-win game. I mean, this is uh, basically not um, avoiding defeat would mean uh, Europa League, which I'm not quite sure they're exactly thrilled with uh, about. 
it's uh, Olas or Genesio or anyone uh, connected with uh, Olympique Lyonnais. But uh, Seville are going to meet Juventus, so one or the other are going to um, uh, are going to well, uh, if if it's not a draw, one or the other are going to win. I think it would be uh, quite. Uh, bad if Sevilla actually won that game because uh, then um, Lyon have to host Seville, they have to beat them and they have to hope that uh, Juventus don't get anything against um, Dynamo Zagreb in Turin which is um, a massive uh, a massive ask um, but no I mean about yeah I was going to say that the, the easier path for Lyon to, to go through is to have Juventus beat Sevilla and for Leon to yeah. better Sevilla's result at home uh, in December. Mm. Yeah, that's the that's the at least the easiest way I can sit from here. <laughs> which is which was only one nil, wasn't it? I mean, it's not like yeah, it's not it's, impossible. Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, no, absolutely not. But yeah, about uh, about tomorrow evening, it's uh, yeah, obviously a, a must uh, a must win if it's uh, you know if it's a draw, um, Lyon are out, and uh, if it's if it's winning with uh, with a chance, if Sevilla don't win. Eric, what what do you think will be the strategy in in this one? Do they throw as many forward players as they can? Do they try and play their natural game against a Zagreb side that they they beat comfortably in the reverse fixture, and just then hope that there's a glimmer of hope for for the next week? Uh, yeah, I think they they play their natural game. I mean, Zagreb are awful <laughs> in the match at the Park Well. That was Leon playing that their first experiments with that three five two. You've got. Uh, Likely uh, Fekir to come back into the team after after his his league suspension. Um, you know, Rafael, you know, won't have to worry as much about tracking back. He can he can join in as an auxiliary attacker. Uh, there shouldn't be really really any issues here. Even 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 missing uh, the likes of Gazal, there should be more than enough for Leon to win comfortably. I'd say at least two 0 or three 0 Yeah, and that, I agree. Yeah, let's hope that that. Something maybe just a glimmer of hope happens in that severe Juventus game. Hopefully, Juve can pull out a result, and then it at least makes that final game exciting. If Lyon can pull something out, in uh... but I think we're still in the same uh, in the same frame of mind. I'm pretty sure uh, everyone connected with the club would rather have uh, have Lyon finish second and uh, play a big game against uh, some big European sides like I don't know Bayern, Barcelona, what have you. Uh, to um, to please to please the fans rather than uh, have uh, an Europa League campaign. I mean, this is basically what they what they what they want. I'm not even sure it's about it's a it's about the money anymore. It's it's more about you know we don't want to play all these games in the Europa League when we're going to be chasing the top uh, the top three. Yeah, and they you are four, so actually it is it is quite uh, quite uh, quite staggering to see uh, how uh, a couple of wins just. Put uh, just puts you force just like that. Well, they are seven points back a third. I mean, yeah, it's so that's still bad. already a, a gap. So you know, <laughs> point of uh, not playing the Europa League, something to you know avoid at all costs. Mm. Yeah, and if they can finish second, that's always extra points that uh, fabled coefficient at least. But let's let's move on now to the leaders in Liga, and that's Nice, who got back on the horse this weekend with a win in Sunday's late game against Saint-Étienne, even without Mario Balotelli and Paul Bice. Uh, Philip, was this a, sh a showing after a defeat that proves that they are really going to be titled contenders for the long haul? 
They were extremely lucky to get that win last night. They, um, Favre was quite uh, defensive in his lineup. It uh, looked very much like a like a four-five-one. You had uh, Cyprien, Siri, and um, not Cossiello, uh, Rémi Valter uh, playing uh, next to each other, very very tight. And um, well, there were quite a few uh, few chances at, um, in the first half, but um, this had uh, this had nil nil draw written all over it. Given, I, I was more disappointed by Saint-Étienne at Nice. I mean, Nice are away. Saint-Étienne is not supposed to be an easy, uh, an easy place to go to. But Saint-Étienne really do worry me in terms of attacking threats. Uh, you had it was a three-five-two. You had uh, Nolan Roux and Soderlund up front. Behind them, you had uh, a midfielder trio in that. Um, so uh, discounting the wingers who were absolutely. Um, useless going forward in terms of crossing, in terms of, of getting forward. Uh, Malcri probably a bit better than Mbengi. The, the, the three midfielders were Vertu, Selnaes, who were who was more uh, holding midfielder, playing uh, not too far from the back three. And uh, the last one, I'm forgetting the last one. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's not coming to my mind either. Carry on. Seve. <laughs> uh, yeah. And from all these players, I just don't see anyone um, actually looking like scoring, like scoring goals. Or who had a very, very clear chance um, midway through the first half? A header, point black header. He puts it straight at Cardinal. So doesn't look like he can uh, he can score either. And uh, then you have the midfielders who just don't seem to be um, to be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Make, make, making the impression like they can, they can, they can, you know, chip in with the goals if the forwards have uh, have uh, an off night or an off day. You had Amuma who was uh, who's not uh, who wasn't playing. Mone Pake came came on, and Beric was not playing either. So of course, those three players are good players. Those three players can provide with the goals, and any side who has uh, three key players who can provide with the goals, they're not playing. They're either injured or they're on the bench. Uh, you're going to have problems to score. But to me, Satyajit really do need to invest in some kind of uh, attacking threat. I'm going to go back from what um, Eric said two two weeks ago about Montpellier. Um, I would, um, I'd say that uh, Montpellier's attacking threat is uh, actually uh, more threatening than uh, than Satyajit's. It just uh, Satyajit just look uh, bereft of uh, um, finishers, basically. And I'm quite quite worried. I'm not sure what uh, what you guys say. I'm quite worried about where this uh, side, who has finished uh, very quite high up, has finished in Europa League places very often uh, these past few seasons. I'll come up with uh, with a record in in just a minute. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. But uh, yeah, this seems to be some kind of ending to uh, this kind of um, run. Eric, what do you think to Santatiana in this game as well? I mean, they've not. Scored very many goals. I, th I think there's only a couple of occasions. What I'm counting: one, two, three, four times this season, five times this season in all competitions where they've scored more than one goal in a game, um, and they were pretty negative again in this one. Is this a sign of just who Santetienne are, or that are they maybe stuck in a rut now of, of um, with Galtier? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think that uh, looking at the team, it, it's frustrating to see. Galtier set up with three at the back. Mm. Uh, I mean, Malquit's pretty adept to getting forward, less so Mbenge. 
so it was, it, it was a, I think, a overall a fairly negative performance. There was no real creative thrust. Obviously, with Tanan suspended and Money Pack on the bench, there wasn't there wasn't that there. But I also do want to say credit to Lucian Favre. I think that he showed once again the amazing versatility he gets out of Willan Cyprian playing uh, him at the at the base of a four three three, whereas Walter might be the more natural choice to play to play as the most offensive midfielder. Uh, the pair of them and Sari really really kept the ball well and, and kept control of, of, of possession. Um, I think he said it was something like 65% possession. And basically, you know, without that sort of dynamic pace uh, in wide areas, it made it hard for Saint-Étienne to, to play on the counter uh, with Nice having so much of the ball. So, uh, I, but I mean, again, you know, what are you going to do? There isn't, there isn't a creative central presence for Saint-Étienne. I mean, they had that last year with Valentin Acerich on loan, uh, but obviously he's come back to Nice and, and scored. Uh, yeah, it's, it's this team that I think, you know, they need to – I mean, it looks like – it looked like this time, last last winter, that they had, they had done well in investing in Tanan and that they had a real player, but obviously he's sort of been found out. And I think that they need to to look, look for a, a creative attacking talent. I mean, I think that – uh, you know, I, I, obvious candidate doesn't spring to mind, but I think maybe looking to looking to uh, looking abroad to bring in some sort of a creative playmaker really makes sense. I mean, the midfield solid enough, defense is solid, uh, the fullbacks are decent. Uh, in in Barrich and Rue, you have strikers who are, if not great, capable um, on their day, but there's just no there's no real attacking threat uh, besides Hamuma and. Again, he's really more of a wide player than he is a, a playmaker. So it's, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I think that obviously Galtier has placed more emphasis on the Europa League, okay? And I, I credit to him for that because it's been a source of frustration for me personally that uh, French teams have not taken that competition as seriously. But, pardon me, that being said, sorry, um, yeah, exactly. My my yawn there is is my is my uh, approximation of his his style of football. There's there's no reason that uh, this team shouldn't um, shouldn't show more creative intent. And uh, this football it, doesn't keep you awake. Yeah, uh, no, and it, it, <laughs> dire. <laughs> and, and and jumping off that, and there's there's a number of teams that would killed to have someone like Christophe Galtier who's had numerous successes at St. ATM, but is his time running thin? Has he maybe taken them as far as he can, Philip? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, I don't I don't see them unless they uh, change something. Uh, I don't see them finishing where they usually finish. So they finished uh, the last four seasons, they finished uh, one time fifth and fourth and fifth and sixth. So that's uh, four seasons between fourth and sixth which are Europa League places. Now, I know that um, the season is long and that uh, you'll need someone to finish above Saint-Étienne. Uh, top four is pretty much uh, pretty much settled. Uh, I don't know, you've got uh, Bordeaux, who seem to be quite uh, quite solid, to be actually uh, exactly like Saint-Étienne. Like, I mean, not too, not too bad, a good, uh, a decent goalkeeper, not too bad at the back. Not great uh, creativity, but probably even better than, than Saint-Étienne. So... Yeah, you know, I can see some 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 little sides, uh, Rennes, Toulouse, probably even even Marseille if you know they they get uh, they get moving and um, start to uh, to bag a, a couple of wins. 
so yeah, I think uh, I think uh, time was already we were already asking ourselves a question about Gatia Saint Etienne uh, last season, but um, this season I think it's even more more pressing. So it is possible that it is his last uh, last season with Liverpool. And let's go back to the current leaders of the league, Nice, um, Eric. And you've mentioned him already, it, having been on loan at Saint Etienne last season. And that's Valentin Eric, who scored the goal, and he had a a, a pretty good game, and that that shows you Nice's depth even without someone like uh, Mario Balotelli leading the line. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're, uh, you know, they're uh, Donis. I think is a is, is impressed in, in flashes he's got on too. I think that there really is. Because yellow coming out, because yellow was on the bench as well. I think that yeah, Nice, Nice can be over reliant on certain players. I'm thinking particularly of like Soseri, Pereira, uh, Balotelli to some extent. But uh, you know they've shown again that they can put a performance together when they need to, and that's really the bottom line. That's what that's why they continue to be in first place. It's grinding out these results that that's what that's what makes a a team a championship contender, and especially you know. Playing away to Saint Etienne is never an easy task. The Chaudron is a, one of the best atmospheres in France, and and again with Balotelli absent, some players are coming back from injury. Uh, there could have been an excuse for for Nice to sort of see their start to slide down the table, uh, a lot to lose, but uh, that wasn't the case, and they responded really well in a tough situation. And credit to them. Um, there's more to come. They still have to play PSG, but uh, yeah, I, I think this team remains a, a bona fide championship contender in, until something shows otherwise. And it's not looking like that being the case, as they seem to have ridden out uh, some of these injuries and absences in the recent past. Yeah, and getting to this stage of the season already in mid-November, yes, it, but 13 weeks in, as we start looking towards that sort of winter break, to be in this position uh, is a really good positive for them, and hopefully they can keep it up. But we'll finish this week with uh, Bordeaux, who we've not spoken about much this season, but have... Been relatively mixed, shall we say, is probably the best word to describe them under Jocelyn Gorbanek. They drew 1 1 against Gangom despite missing a penalty and, and conceding a late equaliser. They've not, they've lost only once in their last eight, but two of those have only been wins. Every other game has been a draw, except from that 2 0 defeat from Paris Saint Germain. What have you thought to Bordeaux in this first third of the season, Philip? That um, they seem to be much more organised than last season. Govenek is, um, I think, he's had uh, yeah uh, quite a lot of things to to put to put to put straight. He uh, did buy a decent centre back in uh, Igor Levshuk. I mean, uh, probably didn't have the best start of uh, life in in France, uh, but um, he he really is uh, now the. Um, I mean, the boss in that uh, in that defense, saying that he was at, was uh, at fault for going out very late equalizer. So, so many of stoppage time being equalized uh, from a throw in, and left who's a centre back, inexplicably just goes uh, towards the throw in and leaves space for Briand to to head it in. So it really is um, it really is a shame. But then you've got the midfield, you've got Varda, you've got Toulalan, you've got Plazil, experienced guys, good uh, good football players, good ball players could go forward and. Um, you know, Minas has to has to stay fit for a couple of for a couple of games, and if he does if he does that, um, you know they they do they do have a chance. Holland can score. He proved that uh, a game at at Lyon, he can score a couple of goals. So yeah, uh, why not go back to to Europe? But the problem will be, of course, is uh, will will they take will they get into Europa League? Will they want to be in, in Europa League? But um, yeah, good omens. 
And, and, and Eric, they're currently sitting seventh despite their kind of indifferent form. What's your bit take been on, on Jocelyn Govanek and, and how he's adapted to this uh, Bodo team that does have a number of interesting attacking young players and some decent defensive players as well? They're, they're not short-handed in any sense, but they've not really... They've not really shifted out of third gear, it seems, sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I will credit Gorbanek for improving the team's defense. It was often at sixes and sevens last season. But he really is struggling to get the best out of attack. He he seems a bit hamstrung by particularly the the by the use his use of um, sorry, of Rodan and of Menes. I don't think that the system he's played in recent past has gotten the best out of them. Uh, playing Menez off of a pairing of Roland and and um, Kamano uh, yesterday didn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense tactically, and there was there was not a whole lot there in terms of uh, in terms of attacking impetus, and, and Menez in particular was really dreadful. I I just don't know. I, I think he, I think that he's not being given the enough enough autonomy. He doesn't feel like he has enough autonomy to set this team up in a way that makes sense. So. Yeah, it's a pretty frustrating situation given the club, you know, have a lot of interesting young players and, and should be doing better than they are. But I'm not sure how much of that's down to the manager or what sort of leash he's been given to experiment. And Philip, just sort of to, to, to end this discussion about Bordeaux, where do, where do you think they might be European contenders in this current league? And I mean, a loss can send you to about 12th at the moment. So are they genuine contenders for that kind of position or are they maybe not quite at the pace and maybe need some additions come uh, come the winter time? I think it's more in terms of uh, other sides not um, lasting to pace or, or not to being um, as uh, performing as Bordeaux will be in the second half of the season. Gagan seemed to be dropping more points uh, at home. They were very lucky not to uh, not to lose last um, or yesterday. Not uh, being that great away from home. It's exactly the same profile for, for Rennes. And I don't know, just see Bordeaux um, getting those draws away from home and transforming these draws into wins. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bordeaux finish fifth. And Eric, do you do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that there is, you know, there's there's enough talent on paper for this team to be, yeah, fourth or fifth. And I don't know. Fourth would be straight, though. This season, yes, but I, I think yeah. we couldn't have really, have really expected Nice to perform where they are. I mean, I think that mm. on paper before the season, we might have looked at Monaco, PSG, Leon. I mean. Did Bordeaux have the best squad on paper before before the season started? Mm. You know, there might be something to that. Mm. And then it'd be something to keep an eye on if if you're if you're not playing particularly well, but you're still staying around in and around those places. When you do start hitting form, it might uh, start getting interesting. We'll keep an eye on that for certain. But that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Philip, Eric, and everyone listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday evening, and we will see you for the main show again at the same time, same place next week. I'll be Anto, and goodbye.